Hallelujah. We're going to continue in our sermon series titled, Not in the Word. We are looking at statements that are commonly believed to be in God's Word, which are not in the Word. And if we follow and believe these statements, they actually lead us away from the truth of God's Word. The more we know and obey God's Word, the better we will be at recognizing and rejecting what is not in the Word. The more we know and obey God's Word, the better we will be at pointing others to God and to the truth of His Word. The statement I want us to identify this morning is, God wants me to be happy. This sounds good, sounds biblical, but it's not in the Word. Those who do not have a relationship with God by faith in Christ Jesus pursue happiness in what this world has to offer, whether they believe God wants them to be happy or not, because they don't have a relationship with God by faith in Jesus. They are spiritually dead in their sins, as the scripture teaches us. They are separated from God because of their sin against God, and there is nothing that they can do to get rid of their sin and get to God on their own. As Paul said, Satan has blinded their minds so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They are focused on happiness. That is their desire. That is their goal. That is their pursuit. And they fulfill that pursuit or seek to fulfill that pursuit through this world and what this world has to offer. The truth is, we were just like them before we placed our faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul said in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's our joy and privilege as those who know Jesus to tell those who don't know Jesus about Jesus so they can hopefully receive God's gift of love and life and forgiveness of sin and salvation by God's grace through their faith in Jesus. I want us to focus on those of us who know God by God's grace alone through our faith alone in Christ Jesus alone. When a Christ follower makes the statement, God wants me to be happy, it is a sign a warning sign of spiritual danger ahead. This statement indicates a Christ follower is mistaken about what God wants for them. This statement indicates a Christ follower is out of fellowship with God and the truth of his word. This statement indicates a Christ follower is focused on pleasing themselves rather than God. God wants me to be happy is most often said by a Christ follower to justify their sin and disobedience to God. The truth is God wants me to be holy. The truth is God wants you and me to be holy. He wants us to focus on holiness. He wants us to be set apart set apart from sin, and set apart for the Savior. Now, as we begin to unpack God's truth for our lives this morning around this topic, and in the passage we're going to look at it in just a moment, I want to make sure that we're clear from the very beginning, this does not mean God is a cosmic killjoy who doesn't care about us and only wants to make us miserable 
every day of our lives. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17, instruct those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant and to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Jesus said in John 10, 10, a thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. God loves us and God loves to provide for us every day in every way. God richly provides us with all that we have so that we may enjoy it. The abundant life is ours in Christ Jesus. And so we know that God is not a cosmic killjoy. We know that God loves us and wants to bless us and provide for us in every way. So if you have your Bibles, open them with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. I want you to turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter wrote this letter to the members and believers in the churches of five provinces, which today make up the country of Turkey. Peter, real quickly, reminded these believers of the mercy and grace of God they received from God when they were saved by God. Peter reminded these believers that trials are part of the Christian life. Trials are used by God to test and strengthen our faith in God. Trials allow us an opportunity to give praise and glory to God as we remain faithful to God through our trials. And so Peter encouraged these believers to remain faithful to God in and through their trials by the power of God that is in them through their faith and trust in God. And Peter's encouragement to these believers years ago is still true and relevant and applicable for us today. And so in 1 Peter chapter 1, I'll begin reading in verse 13. Peter wrote these words, Therefore, get your minds ready for action, being self-disciplined, and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in your conduct, in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. God did not say, be happy, because I want you to be happy. God said, be holy, because I am holy. Verse 16, look at that once more. For it is written, be holy, Because I am holy. For it is written, points us back, refers us back to what was written before in the Old Testament scriptures. For it is written, be holy. This is in the perfect tense, which means it's an action that was completed in the past that has continuing effects in the present. Be holy because I am holy was God's message to Moses in the Old Testament. Be holy because I am holy was God's message to the Israelites in the Old Testament. Be holy because I am holy was God's message to Peter. Be holy because I am holy was God's message to the believers in these five provinces that we read about in the first Peter chapter one, verse one, but also to all Christ followers of this day and time. Be holy because I am holy is still God's message to you and me today. Holy means set apart. It means separate. Holy means free from the defilement of sin. It means pure and sacred and distinct. God called the people of Israel to be holy, to be set apart, different from the pagan nations around them. Remember, the Israelites were God's chosen people. 
And God wanted them to be distinct from the nations around them in what they ate, how they looked, and how they lived. God called Israel to be holy because God is a holy God. God is separate, set apart, and free from the defilement of sin. God is pure. God is righteous. God is completely holy in all he is and all he does. So he has every right to command us as his followers to be holy as he is holy. God spoke to Moses and Israel and he commanded them to be holy because I am holy over and over and over again in the Old Testament especially in the book of Leviticus. Let me just give you a few examples from the book of Leviticus. In Leviticus 19, in verses 1 and 2, the Lord spoke to Moses, speak to the entire Israelite community and tell them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. In Leviticus 20, verses 7 and 8, consecrate yourselves and be holy for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sets you apart. In Leviticus 20 and verse 26, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and I have set you apart from the nations to be mine. Be holy because I am holy was a warning to the people of Israel not to adopt the sinful ways of the pagan nations around them. Be holy because I am holy was a calling on the people of Israel to be witnesses for God to the pagan nations around them. So we look at this this morning and we understand and realize be holy because I am holy is a warning to us today as Christ followers not to adopt the sinful ways and lifestyles and patterns and beliefs of the world around us. Be holy because I am holy is a calling on us as Christ followers to be witnesses for God to the lost world around us who desperately needs Jesus. You see, Peter is telling us here in his letter that God's call to holiness is for us today. God's call to holiness was for them, Peter and these believers, and it's God's call for us today. We should live holy lives because God is a holy God. Amen? We should live separate and set apart Because our God is a holy God. We know and understand we are God's chosen people in Christ Jesus. God has set us apart from sin and self, and God set us apart for the Savior Jesus by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. We are different. Some of us a lot more than others, but we are different in Christ Jesus. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. And as Christ followers, the difference that Christ makes in us should show through our words and our actions and our lives. It should show through. 
on a day-by-day basis. God not only calls us to this holy lifestyle, but God empowers us to be holy. God empowers us to live holy lives as we trust him day by day. And we glorify God as we live holy lives in God's power. We point people to God as we live holy lives in God's power. We are blessed by God as we live holy lives in God's power. And we are happy and joyful in God as we live holy lives in God's power. And we see this emphasized throughout the word of God. We see the connection between holiness and blessings and happiness and joy throughout God's word. Let's take the Old Testament, for example. The Hebrew word asher means blessed and happy. Asher means blessed and happy. David wrote in Psalm 34 and verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the man who takes refuge in him. How happy, how blessed, how a share is the man who takes refuge in him. Solomon said in Proverbs 16 and verse 20, the one who understands the matter finds success and the one who trusts in the Lord will be happy, blessed, a share. In the New Testament, makarios is the Greek word that means blessed and happy. We see this all throughout the New Testament. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3, Bless, happy are the poor in spirit, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And he continued with the Beatitudes, talking about the blessedness and the happiness that is ours through holiness. Jesus said in John 13 and verse 17, If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. You are happy if you do them. Talking about serving others as he was washing the disciples' feet. So as we live holy lives set apart from sin and self and set apart for the Savior Jesus, we will be blessed. We will be happy and joyful as we continue to follow Jesus. Now we understand as Christ followers, happiness and joyfulness are different. Happy, happiness comes and goes. Happiness is based on our circumstances, our trials, and, and the challenges that we face in our day-to-day lives as we follow Jesus. Happiness kind of comes and goes circumstantially based. Joy comes and stays. Joy is found in the relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit produced in us by the Holy Spirit as we live, surrender to God day by day. As we surrender ourselves to God day by day, he produces the fruit of the Spirit in us. One of the fruit of the Spirit is, is joy. So we understand and realize throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, this message continues to come to us from our Father God. Holiness increases our blessings, our happiness, and our joy as we follow Jesus. Holiness. Holy living a holy life like God, living set apart from sin and self, living set apart to the Savior, living free from the defilement of sin, walking in God's power, holiness for us as followers of Jesus Christ increases our blessings. We're blessed 
as we live holy lives. It increases our happiness. We're able to see the circumstances of our lives and the challenges of our lives through the lens of God at work in us who loves us, who's watching over us, and who's moving with us and, and helping us to respond in obedience to him. And holiness increases our joy, the joy that nothing can touch because it's that joy that is ours through faith in Jesus. It reminds me of the words to the old hymn, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I have the love of Jesus in my heart. Down in my heart. Date myself there. That's a good old hymn right there. That's a good old hymn. A few of us could probably break out in song and sing that. It'd be a joyful noise, but we'd be singing it nonetheless. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. It's there because of Jesus. And holiness, this holy lifestyle that Peter's encouraging us to live, increases that joy and that happiness that is ours in Christ Jesus. So let's answer a couple questions. We need to answer a couple questions so that we can apply this in our lives today and this week so that we can uh, do what God's called us to do as, as followers of Jesus Christ. The first question is, is real simple. Uh, why should we live holy lives? Why should we live holy lives? And the answer, the first answer is, is equally as simple. God said so. That's why. God said it and that settles it. Understand, God said it, and that settles it. Sometimes folks will say, God says it, I believe it, that settles it. No! Doesn't matter if you believe it or not, God said it, that settles it. It's true. And so we know and understand. Be holy is an imperative command. Be holy is an imperative here in verse 16. It's a command from God to us to obey every day. God commands us to be holy because he's a holy God. And the good news is God empowers us to be holy because as we depend on him and trust in him and obey him, he then fills us with the strength. He's at work in us by his Holy Spirit in us, and he enables us to live holy lives set apart from what this world has to offer, set apart to the Savior, Jesus Christ. So we understand and know that we should live holy lives because God said so. God wants to live holy lives. Second reason is people need us to live holy lives. People need us to live holy lives. That's why we should live holy lives. Time is short. Eternity is at stake. And people need Jesus. People need Jesus. And those who don't know Jesus, those who don't have a relationship with God, by God's grace through the faith in Christ Jesus, those who are still on their journey to understanding their need for a relationship with God need us. They are actually counting on us to live holy lives for Jesus. They may not realize it, they may not say it, but they are counting on us to live holy lives for Jesus. Think about it. If those of us who know Jesus live like those who don't know Jesus, how will those who don't know Jesus see their need for Jesus? If those of us who know Jesus 
Live like those who don't know Jesus. How will those who don't know Jesus ever see in us a reason to receive Jesus? If we live like the world, and if we look like the world, and if we talk like the world, and if we act like the world, and if we don't live set apart, separate, distinct lives from sin and self, then who is? And more importantly, those who don't know Jesus will not be able to see a testimony about Jesus shining in and through our lives. You see, we always have to remind ourselves, we have to remember every day, all through the day, we're different in Christ Jesus. We're different. We're new creations in Christ. As we live holy lives, as we depend on God and cry out to him every day, starting off the day, all through the day, ending the day, as we seek to live holy lives by depending on God and trusting in him, the light of Christ in us shines through us and points people who don't know Jesus to Jesus. They're able to see that example that helps to point them to their need for Jesus, that allows them to come and ask us the question, hey, what is it about you that I don't have? Which allows us then, as we have set apart Christ as Lord in our lives, to be able to give an answer to the reason for the hope that is in us and we're to do that with gentleness and respect, as Peter said later on in this letter. And it stems from living holy lives. As D.L. Moody, a prominent pastor and author years ago, said, a holy life will make the deepest impression. Lighthouses blow no horns. They just shine. So we're called to shine the light of Jesus. As Jesus said in Matthew Chapter 5, shine the light of Jesus. Let your light shine. Well, that happens as we're living holy lives because as we live holy lives, as we live for the Lord, that difference that is in us, in Christ Jesus, it has nothing to do with us, it has nothing to do with God's work in us in Christ Jesus, shines through and allows others to see an example, testimony of Jesus Christ. We also know as well, and we, we get uh, another blessing, as we live holy lives, our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus are then encouraged to live holy lives for and through Christ Jesus. So not only in living holy lives are we able to shine the light of Jesus to those around us, not only are we able to, to present a testimony, to present uh, a reflection of of the Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he has done in us and what he can do in their lives, but we also provide encouragement and accountability to our brothers and sisters in Christ because as we're living holy lives together, it encourages us to continue living holy lives for and through Christ Jesus day by day. So it's vitally important for us to live holy lives, set apart and separate from this world and sin and self, which can so easily entangle us 
and trip us up as we are living the victorious Christian life that is ours in Christ Jesus. And then the next question then is how? How do we live holy lives? How? What are some things that we can do to help us live holy lives? Well, Peter gives us some ideas here. He gives us some truths here. We're just going to touch on these again. Uh, each of these points could be a sermon in and of themselves, so we'll hit the high notes uh, to help us understand uh, why, but now how. How do we live holy lives? The first step we could take is what Peter shares with us is, I must prepare my uh, mind for action. You and I must prepare our minds for action. I must prepare my mind for action. He says in verse 13 there, 1 Peter chapter 1, Therefore, get your minds ready for action, being self-disciplined. Now, if you look in verse 13, there, the therefore is therefore a reason, and the therefore points us back to what Peter had said before. Peter, in the first part of chapter 1, as I mentioned before, had taught these believers about their glorious salvation in Jesus. Now, in verse 13 and following, Peter begins teaching them about the responsibility because of their glorious salvation in Christ Jesus to live for Jesus. And he says, therefore, get your minds ready for action. Get your minds ready for action literally means, in the original language, gird up the loins of your mind. In Peter's day and time, uh, men and women would wear uh, robes or tunics. And uh, they were long flowing robes or tunics and they would hang down uh, all the way to the ground uh, loosely in, in ways. But uh, because of the robe and tunic, they uh, would hang loosely. They were, they were comfortable, but they would make it very, very difficult for folks to do anything except walk and, and go about their day-to-day business under control. And so whenever someone had to go somewhere quickly, whenever someone had to run, whenever a soldier had to get ready for battle, what they would do is they would gird up, which means they would pull up the bottom of their robe or tunic and they would stuff it in their belts. They would stuff that robe in their belts, which would then allow them the freedom to be able to run, to be able to move, to be able to get somewhere quickly, to be able to do whatever was needed to be done. There would be no hindrances to them at that point. That's the image, gird up, get your minds, prepare for action. So what is Peter saying? He's saying this, get rid of any loose, unproductive, unbiblical thoughts that keep you from following Jesus. Get rid of any of the unbiblical, unproductive, loose thoughts in our minds that distract us from living for Jesus and fill our minds with the word of God so that we will be prepared to live for God in his power day by day. Get your mind ready for action. Fill your mind with the truth of God's word. Get rid of anything that keeps us, any of those thoughts that the enemy brings our way to keep us distracted from Jesus and keep us from living for Jesus. And instead, get your minds ready for action. He says, being self-disciplined, which literally means be spiritually alert. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Be steadfast in your faith in Jesus is what being self-disciplined means. So we know what Peter is saying here is we need to prepare our minds for action, being self-disciplined, steadfast in our faith in Jesus every day. Why? Because trials and spiritual warfare, and times of persecution, and troubles, and tribulations, and difficulties are realities for us as followers of Jesus Christ. And therefore, we understand and realize as we prepare our minds for action, we are encouraged by God to live holy lives for God. As we prepare our minds for action, we are focusing our thoughts, we are focusing our eyes, we are focusing our minds 
on God and the truth of his word, which then speaks to us and encourages us, live separate, set apart, distinct, holy lives in Christ Jesus. Don't forget holiness. So we see the power and the importance. And Peter tells us right away, as he begins moving from the glorious salvation that we have in Jesus, and he begins looking right at living now, out our responsibility to live for Jesus, he immediately what goes to the mind. Why does he immediately go to the mind? Because the mind is first and foremost, our beliefs determine our behavior. We think, we feel, we act. There's no mistake. This is not happenstance. This is not random that he immediately says, therefore, get your minds ready for action. So we understand and realize this helps us and encourages us to be holy. Helps and encourages us to live holy lives. Secondly, he then says, I must keep an eye on the future. I must look to the future. He continues in verse 13, and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not only are we going to get our minds prepared for action, but we're going to look to the future. As Christ followers, we know the end of the story. We've read the end of the book, amen? And the book tells us we win in Christ Jesus. We win in Christ Jesus today. We win in Christ Jesus tomorrow. We win in Christ Jesus every day. We win in Christ Jesus throughout eternity. We win in Christ Jesus We know as followers of Jesus Christ, this world is not our home. We are just passing through on our way to our eternal home in heaven one day. And so we understand and realize what Paul said to the church at Rome. Paul said, our present sufferings, our present challenges are not going to be worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us in heaven one day. And so how do we live holy lives today? How are we able to walk in obedience to the truth of this word? How are we able to do what Peter's asking us to do? We do it by getting our minds ready for action, understanding the call, understanding the blessings, understanding the fulfillment that comes from living holy lives. We, look to, we keep our minds on the future. We continue to look to the future. Hey, no matter how difficult it is here, no matter how challenging it is here, and it is difficult and it is challenging at times. And I don't want to ever minimize the struggles, the pain, the challenges, the sufferings that happen in this world because it is part of being in this world. Jesus said we're going to face sufferings. But he overcame sin and death on the cross. He overcame the world and we are overcomers through our faith and trust in him. And so we can understand and realize that as we look to the future with the hope and confidence that is ours in Christ Jesus, As we look to the future, and as we know, no matter what happens to us here on this earth, we win in Christ Jesus. It's going to be more than okay. As we focus our minds, don't forget, as we focus our minds on the promise Jesus made to us to return for us, We are encouraged to be holy. We're encouraged to live holy lives. As we set our hope completely, not on the uncertainty of wealth, as we set our hope completely on God and the grace to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As we think of these brothers and sisters in Christ who went before us, who lived holy lives, 
who magnified Christ to the lost world around them, who many lost their lives cruelly because of their faith in Christ Jesus. As we focus our minds and get our minds ready for action each day, all through the day, and as we take moments to look to the future, to be reminded of our hope in Christ Jesus, to be reminded that, that this world isn't our home, we are then encouraged and filled with the desire from God to live holy lives for God and his power at work in us. And then we see as well, Peter makes it real clear, uh, we're not only going to get our minds ready for action, we're not only going to look to the future, but then you and I must obey God. We must obey God. He says there in verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who calls you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. As obedient children, we must obey God. Makes sense. As obedient children, we must obey God. Peter encourages us, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. What he's talking about there is don't live for sin and self like you used to live before you placed your faith in Christ Jesus. Don't live and pursue and seek and desire the things of this world like you did before, before you placed your faith in Christ Jesus. As victors in Christ Jesus, be holy in all your conduct. It says as victors in Christ Jesus, be holy in all your conduct. Walk in obedience. Now, obviously, we know as Christ followers, when we sin against God, we must quickly confess our sins to God. When those times come and we sin against God, we must quickly confess our sins to God. Knowing that as we do, we will receive the forgiveness of God. Thankfully, Scripture reminds us if we confess our sins, God, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us and purify us from all our unrighteousness. Listen, as victors in Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer enslaved to our sinful desires. Jesus Christ has granted us the victory by the blood he shed for us on the cross of Calvary. We have overcome the world. We are more than conquerors over sin and death. We don't have to live the way this world lives any longer. We don't have to live according to our former ignorance. We don't have to live bound to seeking pleasure and happiness in sin itself and what this world has to offer. No, we, we're new in Christ Jesus. We're victorious in Christ Jesus. And we can walk in that victory day by day as part of that holy lifestyle. And so Peter here said, as obedient children, as victors in Christ Jesus, be holy in all your conduct. Live a holy life. Because God is a holy God. Chuck Colson He's a Christian speaker. He's an author, and he was the founder of Prison Fellowship Ministry. 
And he said this, holiness is the everyday business of every Christian. It evidences itself in the decisions we make and the things we do hour by hour, day by day. Holiness evidences itself in the decisions we make and the things we do hour by hour and day by day. Holiness is an indication of the continual work of God in us, growing us in our faith in Jesus, and creating in us a desire for more and more of Jesus and less of us and what the world offers to us. Holiness is that work of God in us that creates in us a desire for more of Jesus. And quite honestly, a lot less of us. Holiness is a sign of the presence and power of God at work in us. Holiness is a sign that God is in charge of us, not us. Holiness is a sign that we desire most to please God not ourselves. And holiness increases our blessings as we follow Jesus day by day. Holiness increases our happiness as we follow Jesus day by day. Holiness increases our joy as we follow Jesus day by day. God is a holy God. So let's be holy in all our conduct, in all that we think, in all that we do, and in all that we say. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. I worship Jesus.